0: the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Uh, we are going to uh, tackle a genre of sorts. But you and I didn't have any clue what the hell we were gonna do. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about TV shows. We're going to talk about toys. We're going to talk about you know all the things that made this such um, such an important part. I love toys. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm Sean Grugel, and we are power tripping. Through the 80s, here on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by anchor.fm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Power Tripping Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Along with Sean Krugel, I'm Jason Klaus. We certainly appreciate you tuning in here this week and for. You know, because we like to give our listeners, our fans, kind of peeks behind the curtain from time to time. If we sound off, it's because both of us are not in our regularly uh, designated recording areas. We're still in the same overall structures, make no mistake about it. But we're not in our normal uh, environment. So if we sound off, that's why. But, like, for me i'm looking at the background here i look at what the way i've got things set up here i'm kind of thinking about making like a full-time transition moving the studio out to this part of my dwelling instead of where it currently is i don't know man how how am i sounding on your end number one and more importantly how the hell are you doing i'm sitting fucking Indian cross-legged style on my living room
1: floor In front of a tripod that's about three foot tall, holding my cell phone, because I dropped an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on the goddamn computer I just got working to where I can actually do the podcast now. But hey, I'm doing great. Fuck it. Woo! (laughs) I'm looking at my background, and I got pillows and family pictures instead of '80s toys and all my other fun stuff. So, So, yeah.
0: It's safe to say that your current location that you're recording in right now is not going to become a permanent thing for you. This is very much a temporary thing because you dropped a fucking proton pack on your computer.
1: Well, look, I'm 50 years old, sitting cross-legged on my floor, so it is a very good possibility that I am going to be stuck here for the rest of my life because I don't know if I'm going to be able to pick my fat ass up off the ground or not. So,
0: can you still feel your toes?
1: It's, getting to, it's making its way down from my knee to my calf at this point in time. Hopefully by the time we get to the toes, the podcast will be over with and I can go to an emergency room somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to do something. Well, before we get there, um let's let's talk real quick about um our live appearance we have coming up here very shortly man saturday june the 10th pride in the park uh in holly that is a saturday afternoon i believe it starts at 12 o'clock uh, uh just a, a variety of different speakers and um you know the important people are coming out to be a part of this. You know, it's a celebration of love and peace and, you know, all the good that is in our world that for whatever reason gets often overshadowed, but you have events like this that uh, really put it back in perspective. You and I have been asked to be a part of this thing. Um, are you okay over there? What's going on? My dog is attacking me. I told you I'm on the floor. (laughs) he wants to play (laughs) um yeah
1: plus there's gonna be a bounce house so i'm okay with this event so is there uh, now? yeah oh yeah bounce house live music food um that just means uh um um suplexes in the park for everybody um (laughs) no it's gonna be a good time it's uh pride in the park like you said june 10th Celebration of uh, love and life. Uh, The LGBTQ community comes together, it's advocates. Um, It's just a great time. It's a great show of community. Um, A lot of towns are starting to do these pride celebrations, but I'm proud to say that Holly seems to be one of the first ones out here. Uh, Kristen Watt is doing a phenomenal job putting this together. And uh, June 10th, I'm really looking forward to this event. And there is quite a few possibilities of possibly having some, let's just say, PFC celebrities on hand for this podcast as well.
0: We are going to, uh, yeah, in the uh, in the coming weeks here, we may have our own announcement in terms of what this live appearance thing is going to wind up looking like for our portion of the festivities. Very much looking forward to it. Mark your calendar. Saturday, June the 10th. It starts at noon. Um, Lakeside Park, is that is that the uh, the name of the, of the venue?
1: Lakeside Park. Bring your fishing poles because it's great fishing out on Bush Lake as well. So Is that right? Oh, yeah. If you don't think I'm going to have my fishing pole and a bucket of worms, you're crazy. I will be there podcasting and pulling in bluegill left and right
0: so it sounds like a good time we are very uh honored to be a part of this thing uh so check it out you can find all the information over on our facebook page and uh, look up pride in the park also on facebook um a couple of real quick uh, developments here um Klaus and Q show is going to be uh, returning on June the 16th on ON TV. Six o'clock is the start for that. Um, man. Get your, get your winter boots out. I, knew so. I, I see. I purposely brought that up. Just so <laughs> you would talk shit. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. So check that out. June, June the 16th live on ON TV. It streams over on uh, Facebook.com/forward slash tv Let's talk about why we're here today. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different in terms of content because if you listen to the show over the previous thirty weeks, this is episode thirty-one. If you can believe that, I couldn't believe that, dude. Like as the numbers get higher, I'm like, it doesn't seem like we've been doing this show that long, but here we are, thirty weeks.
1: Yeah. Early yeah, episodes. That's uh, no wonder why week. we're starting a on topics.
0: For God's sakes. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we've we've talked about this before. It's like there's so much that we could talk about, but a lot of it is is kind of a drag, man. You know, it deals with politics and controversies and you know scandals and things of this nature, which was a huge part of the decade, and we would kind of be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't, you know, do our research and do these deep dives on it. But at the same time, it's like, man, people would tune in because they want to focus on the lighter side of the 80s. You know, we've, we've focused on movies and specific actors, and we've butchered lists that apparently some butthole thought was a good idea at the time. Uh, those those are good. Those are good episodes. Here we're going to focus on one year and kind of like the highlight of the year. And you would think that, well, if you're going to focus on the 1980s, you would start at the beginning, right? Fuck no, that's not how we do things here <laughs> on Power Trip. through the 80s, we're going to start with 1988. I say that year, Sean. And what's the first thing that that comes to mind for, for you?
1: I was 14 years old and, uh, let's see, let me do the math here real quick. 14 years old. So five, I was in elementary school, five more years from that. uh, I was in fifth grade, but I got held back. So So I was in middle school. So, (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I do remember things from middle school. I'm okay now. So, okay. One more recess that suck even though we talked about recess last week but yeah no recess when you hit middle school that sucked better lunches though better lunches
0: for sure um listen since we're gonna go on this sidebar real quick we we didn't even even touch on this last week when we were talking about school days of the 1980s the whole lunch concept you know did you did you pack your lunch? Did did you brown bag it? Did you hot lunch it? Like, and you get into middle school and high school, those options kind of expand. Now, for us, I don't know if you guys had these, but I would kill to find this recipe so I can at least try to replicate it. The fiestada. Did you guys have these? Clearly not.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Was it like the hamburger pizza that was like a hexagon?
0: Sort of, yeah. With with the Mexican cheese on it and they had taco sauce instead of pizza sauce.
1: Yeah, we had those, but I didn't I didn't know they had a name. I didn't Piestatus. know they- okay. No, so when we yeah. when we hit um well school pizza, I mean elementary school pizza was badass. Those two square the the squares with yeah. the two pepperonis in the middle. I mean that pizza was killer. But yeah. when I got to middle school when I wasn't saving my lunch money to go to the arcade, we we had like a like a salad bar, and you could order. Uh, my favorite was, uh, and I feel sorry for my classmates, but it was uh, chips, cheese, and chili. So it was tortilla chips, Hormel chili with cheese on top.
0: Hormel <laughs> <Four laughs> chili.
1: I I still I, it was chili with beans nonetheless. So. Mm, you know good stuff for the fat man over here uh but in middle school uh they would order p- like we would have little caesar's pizza in the cafeteria they, I, it was like a dollar and a quarter a slice i think back then
0: oh so, shit yeah
1: four to five dollar
0: pizzas so right. yeah huh. yep. interesting uh, little Caesars didn't become a a thing at our school until well after I graduated. It seemed like we had the pizzas that were baked on the big sheets and like much like what you were saying, they were cut into like rectangles and you got right. two two pepperonis in the middle of it or what have you. Um, you put the cheese. Uh, you would say it looked like brains underneath the cheese. You remember yes, that? Yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, school lunches, man, they, I mean, you look back on it, as like, man, we talked mad shit about it then, but I would give any, anything to go back and have have those kind of lunches again because they were staples, and I appreciate it. Okay, 1988. This is nearing the end of the Reagan run as president of the United States of America the presidential election is going on and it comes down to vice president george bush and michael dukakis yeah i knew this before i did any research and i i guess i shouldn't really say it on the air it's a very off color joke as to how i remember it was these two candidates that were buying for, what, for so the, president. the
1: their last names yeah you know, do caucus and Bush for God's sake
0: <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was a running joke because we were of that age like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were so stupid back then <laughs> however. Uh, That's what it came down to. Vice President George Bush wins the election and will start 1989 as our next president of the United States. Uh, The world population, 5.148 billion people. Where are we at now? Any idea? I guess I should have looked that up.
1: I don't know, but still half of them are assholes. So it don't really (laughs) matter anyway, does it? I would it's, be included in the asshole portion of that, I'm sure, but I digress. <laughs> so I don't know how many people. I'm sure it's. I, I'm sure there's probably just that many people in China right now.
0: So you know, that's gotcha. true, true fucking story, right? That's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right. Um, here were some of the headlines in the national news of 1988. Now, some of these, like this first one here. I feel like we're gonna have to eventually do a deep dive on this because it was such a big deal. You couldn't turn on the TV, you couldn't read newspapers without this being a thing. The Iran-Contra affair. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North and Vice Admiral uh, John Poindexter are indicted on charges of, of conspiracy to defraud the United States of America. I did not fully understand exactly what was happening at that point. But I knew something was seriously fucked up here. So I do have an interest of it. Do you Do you recall any of this thing? Because you were a little bit older than, than I was. Well, then I am. But when this thing is all over daytime television with live news coverage, uh did you have an opinion of it one way or the other did you understand what what was happening
1: no man 14 years old I was coming home and I I was watching cartoons still you know I I see that shit on the TV I I would automatically turn it you know to something else um because it was on every channel right you know and uh quite frankly, I wasn't a fan of the iron Sheik, and I was really hoping that Hulk Hogan would kick his ass, but you know, Denali North stepped in there and you know, fucked everything up. So, right. <laughs> <a> um, bitch. <laughs> but no, I remember it was big news. I remember, uh, I, I could still picture Ali North up North nor N O R F N O R T H up on the uh, stand, uh, during the trial. I could still picture him on the stand. Um, but to actually go into details about the whole iran contra affair i I couldn't do it while it was a big part of the 80s especially in the 88 um i was 14 years old man uh uh, you know that was our prime carefree time you know when we got to about that age so you you weren't coming home till the lights came on in the street and i was playing baseball at all hours of the day so that's just the way i was back then
0: yeah i mean i'm I'm like two years behind you, so I'm kind of right there in in that time frame i just I just remember it being a big deal, but I don't you know with that with with things like that, because we would sit down for dinner and it would be nothing at all for my parents to have. NBC Nightly News or World News Tonight or whatever on the TV and, and they're catching up while we're sitting there eating dinner and for weeks the lead story was something with with Oliver North and this whole scandal. So we'll table the specifics of that for another time. We will actually have to, you know, I'll do some research and we'll do a deep dive on this just to get it off the uh, the proverbial checklist here. We already touched on George H.W. Bush uh, being elected over Michael Dukakis in the election. Wasn't Dukakis from Michigan?
1: I I thought I remember hearing something like that.
0: I feel like there was some sort of tie for Michigan, but for some some reason, I feel like he came from Massachusetts. Or... I think I know. Didn't he have some sort of affiliation with uh,
1: James Blanchard at that time?
0: I feel like it. Yeah. Was. Yeah, and and for those who don't know, James Blanchard was a long time uh, governor here in the state of Michigan. Um, So yeah. Damn it! Now I feel like
1: we might have to look up. Let's 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 be honest here, as you would say, full disclosure. Um, We are recording this on a Monday afternoon. Uh, Jason sent me this picture 10 minutes before we recorded.
0: (laughs) This is our topic.
1: Yeah. And and let's face it, uh, you know, the unlicensed nuclear accelerator destroyed my computer and uh, I I wasn't able to do any research. So we're kind of. flying off the seat of our pants. Yes, that's it. Flying by the seat of our pants to get through this. Dr. No, not to get through this because I enjoy doing this, but at the same time, yeah, uh, it's almost like a pop quiz when it comes to the Iran Contra affair, and I'm gonna fail that bitch all day long.
0: So for real. We'll we'll move on to light, lighter topics, such as and this this was a big deal for me. I remember this being a thing of because of what it is. The Chicago Cubs play their first ever night game at home in Wrigley Field, beating the New York Mets six to four. Wrigley Field is one of the oldest ballparks in the United States of America. And for them to finally install overhead lighting grids for them to be able to play at night was a big damn deal in the city of Chicago. The White Sox, which play on the opposite end of the city from where the Cubs play, their stadium came built with overheads. So playing night games for them was not a big deal. Wrigley field was the last of the original venues to install overhead lights. So this was, this was a huge deal. I know you're not a big baseball fan. I was just trying to add context here.
1: You know, I used to be a big baseball fan in the eighties. Yeah, what was it between 80? Well, probably between 80 and 87, uh, when did that first baseball strike happen? Because that's when my dad stopped watching baseball altogether.
0: Ninety-four.
1: Ninety-four. Um. See, I, I like baseball to a degree. I just don't like it when whiny millionaires complain about not being billionaires. Kind of pisses me off. Um. But since we are talking about baseball, eh, eh, sidebar. Sidebar. Um, yep. Yeah. So June eleventh. If you're a baseball fan. I suggest you come out to Cyclone Field and guess where? Holly, Michigan. That's Holy right, Michigan, Michigan, where we have uh, 1867 rules vintage baseball being played. Uh, I, I was just at a vintage baseball game here this past Saturday. Uh, it was the Detroit Early Risers against another team that just kicked their ass, and it was a lot of fun. Baseball was way different in 1867 versus now. Uh, They played with no gloves. The rules were a little bit different. Uh, You guys want to come out and have a good time. Come out to uh, Holly's Vintage Baseball, June 11th. I believe it starts at 1.30. You can check out their Facebook. It's uh, Holly Vintage Baseball. Okay, so sidebar's over with. I'm sorry. I had to get it out there.
0: If you have not seen, if you are a baseball fan and you have not seen something like this, you need to. I, several years ago, I took one in at um, I mean, Henry Ford Greenville Village. No, no, it oh. was um, Crossroads Village. Okay, uh, we saw one there, and yeah, it is night and day difference. Reading about it is one thing. But to see it play out and uh, the authenticity of it—I mean, from cost, from the uniforms, everything—it really puts it kind of really takes you back to that time frame, right? Because it's baseball, by and large, is one of the one of those games that, on the surface, hasn't changed a whole lot. But when you see it in its primitive primitive form reenacted, there has been a tremendous amount of change to what it is here it now um,
1: these players are the same players that you would see at uh henry ford greenfield village as was really wild i went with matt maybon who uh directed us towards the Zagma bars here a few weeks back hi matt
0: hey um, matt <laughs> we appreciate were, we were, you we
1: we're watching this game in the backdrop it was like big tall reeds and whatnot And a couple of times the ball got knocked into these reeds and when the ball players would come walking out I mean, Matt and I looked right at each other and were like, oh, if you build it, they will come because it reminded us so much of Field of Dreams. It was crazy. It was. That's when baseball was pure, when we didn't have the millionaires bitching not to be billionaires. You know, that's. I really, really like this type of stuff. If you get the chance, come on out, say hi, don't be shy, and uh, take in a game for a day. It's a good time.
0: Absolutely. Uh, June the 11th. Check it out over on Um, Facebook.com. Debbie Gibson. Okay. Are you a fan? I know. I know she didn't really. Wasn't kind of. We were not the demo. We were not the target audience for her musical contributions. But in 1988, she was undeniable. She was everywhere.
1: So we already did the guilty pleasures show.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah. I mean, electric youth was the thing. Uh, eternal flame was, you know, I mean, she was just as cute as a button back then. Uh, I think she's still a good looking woman now uh, as a kid. Would I have ever admitted I listened to Debbie Gibson? Absolutely not. But I sure to hell did.
0: So, right. Well, in 1988, she became the youngest artist to write, produce, and perform a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 with her song, Foolish Beat. What? Foolish Beat. I don't remember that one at all. I don't remember that one at all either. I was expecting Eternal Flame. Okay. As I was reading this, I'm like, well, this is Eternal Flame. It has to be. What the fuck is foolish beat? I don't know. It was foolish (laughs) and get us out of here. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Speaking of Billboard, you know, because Billboard magazine was a big damn deal back in the day. You know, like people don't understand the magnitude that magazines and publications had. This was before the advent of the internet. This is how people communicated. This how this is how they got the news out. Now, Billboard magazine was the epitome of what was a success and what was not, generally in the music in, in a business. Didn't matter what kind of music you're talking about, they had a list of it. According to Billboard magazine, these were the biggest songs that were played on the radio in 1988. Ready for this list? It's, it's a short one here. Okay. Faith by George Michael. Okay. Need You Tonight by NXS. Where are you at on, on, on NXS? I don't feel like they get the love that, that they really deserve.
1: No, if I remember, NXS, I had, I think, oh, I can't remember the name of the album. It had Suicide Blonde on it. X
0: was the name of the album. Yep.
1: yep. I had that album. That was a really good album. Yeah, they don't get the credit that they deserve.
0: Yeah, I was I was a big fan. Um, I Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison of the Beatles. His one, his most popular solo effort, there it is, in 1988.
1: Only took all the way up to
0: 1988. For real. Did <laughs> y'all on, on that list? We should talk, talk, talk about that. Okay, quick sidebar. If you have not listened to Hanging with the Hitman, that dropped this past Monday. Go listen to it. Sean and I were actually featured and mentioned on on their show. Uh, and, yeah, Yoko Ono was the target of that particular portion of their conversation. It's all about the Beatles. So check out Hanging with the Hitman here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Uh, Never Going to Give You Up by Rick Astley. Rick Astley. Man, what a resurgence that motherfucker's had here lately, right? And I thought
1: for years, that was a big black guy singing those songs. (laughs) No, that isn't as Levi would call it a verbal landmine. That's the goddamn truth. I thought, Rick, I mean, you listened to his voice there. I forget who it was. Was it Rick Rubens, the music producer uh, when he met Rick Ashley and they told him that he was the singer of never going to give you up. I believe it was forever and ever at that time. uh, Rick Rubens, about shit of gold brick because he thought that Rick Ashley was a big black guy as well. So
0: he has kind of that uh, barry white thing happening with his he has a very very deep soulful voice. Um but I feel like guys like that like they come out and they explode onto the scene they have all kinds of success and relatively shortly People start, it becomes cool to start shitting on them. But yeah. yet they're still listening to them. Michael Bolton is another one like that. Because Michael Bolton has a very unique voice. You know, but it, I don't know if it's because they're geared more towards women. And women just, oh, you know, <laughs> a fangirl all over them because of that sultry voice. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I could never do that.
1: You know what endeared me to Rick Ashley, and this is going to strike a chord with you. Okay. Rick Ashley's song, uh, Together Forever, was the background music when Channel 4 did the 4th of July fireworks back in the 80s. Do you remember that?
0: I do, yes.
1: And I remember hearing that theme over and over and over when they were advertising for the fireworks, and... It just stuck with me for all those years rick ashley is actually one of my favorite artists so it's kind of funny how that happens
0: it is it is um God, the, last, oh. the last song on this list is kind of kind of surprising but uh sweet child of mine by by guns and roses oh, however that- it was welcome to the jungle that put him on the map with um, with the Deadpool movie, the the Dirty Harry movie.
1: Oh, see that sweet child of mine uh, has such a discernible chord, discernible groove when uh, Slash starts playing the beginning notes of that song. You automatically, and, and let's face it between welcome to the jungle and sweet child of mine, they were almost played as much as Metallica's black album and enter Sandman. I'm yeah. surprised Enter Sandman isn't on that list.
0: That didn't come out till
1: 91. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it. Cause we're doing 88.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a couple of the more popular slang words that we used in 1988.
1: Gnarly. Oh yeah gnarly crash gnarly dude
0: gnarly gnarly uh dude or do that no i use dude all the time still did you ever say do that because i don't believe i did i did but very sparingly (laughs) yeah i just couldn't do it um like totally
1: no, but if you listen to the real podcast with Amy, you'll hear like about fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Amy. Like Todd I, Gilbert's like I that, like, that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he says the word like an awful lot too. I I've picked up on. Yeah, but I mean that's that's become part of our vocabulary. Like, like I have made a point to listen to people conversations. That they have with me and i make a concentrated effort how many times are you saying the word like and i find myself doing it too i'm sure i'm sure when i go back and listen to this i'm going to be there it is oh there it is oh there yeah so sorry that's just where we're at now i guess
1: that's like me with um and so like i start my sentences with um when i end my sentences with so I cannot stop for some damn reason.
0: (laughs) Uh, rad. That was rad.
1: Yeah. Rad radical. I mean, yeah, I I think my word was more cool instead of rad.
0: I seem like I use the word awesome pretty much my whole life. And I feel as though that started somewhere in the late eighties for me.
1: Um, See, mine was cool, or and you use this one a lot too. Pretty badass.
0: Yeah, I do. I save it for 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 special occasions. Like you have my that's pretty bad. You have my attention. I'm not fully invested in it yet, but I'm leaning towards that way. You have my attention. It's pretty badass. <laughs> um, gag me with a spoon. Never, never used it. I didn't either. I remember hearing it. Yep, me too. Never said it.
1: Now, my mom would say, I think that was more of a slang term for females then. So
0: Yeah, there might be something to that because the ones that I did hear it from were generally females.
1: Like, oh my God, totally gagged me with a (laughs) spoon.
0: Uh, here's what was in style. Here's what we were wearing, if you were cool, in 1988. Members-only jackets.
1: I wasn't a member. You what? I wasn't a member.
0: No. acid wash jeans. Guilty. Original jams. What the hell's that? Shoes? I don't know. Oh. I have no idea. Parachute pants. Guilty. Converse chucks. I couldn't afford them. Reebok high tops. Couldn't afford them. Yes, jeans.
1: Um, no, those were female. I think I had Jordache though back then. I know, hand-me-downs brother, hand-me-downs. Swatch watches. I always wanted one of those. <coughs>
0: Wayfarer sunglasses.
1: Not familiar. I've
0: heard of them, but not familiar. Okay. Here is the biggest movies according to, oh, technology. The technology is, is kind of fascinating here. One of these we, we've already touched on, but the U.S. Space Shuttle Program resumes two and a half years after the, the disaster of the Challenger explosion. Prozac is sold for the first time as an antidepressant. Doppler
1: curricular activity as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doppler radar was invented by Christian Andreas Doppler.
1: I'm so happy that they track Santa Claus with that during Christmas time.
0: Yeah, it makes it a lot more convenient. Yeah. Uh, CDs outsold vinyl records for the first time ever in 1988. I
1: remember when CDs
0: came out. I do too.
1: They were big, huge plastic sleeves, so you couldn't rip them off.
0: Yeah. Well, What was the first one you ever bought?
1: CD? Yeah. Man, I almost want to say Guar Scum Dogs of the Universe. Really? Yeah, I think so. Because I was more of a cassette guy up until then. I still remember my very first cassette I ever bought.
0: With your own money, you went to the store. This is the one you got. What was it?
1: Rick Springfield, working class dog. So
0: That does not surprise me. Mine was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen.
1: You go ahead, and I'll tell you why mine was that way. I think I told you before, though.
0: I feel like you did, but my first CD that I bought. Okay. Ready for this? Yep. Paul Abdul, shut up and dance.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with Paul Abdul. Wasn't that the one that was straight up on there. It was
0: all remixes, all dance remixes of the forever, your girl album. Okay. Yeah. Forever, yep. Yep.
1: yep. Uh, Rick Springfield, working class dog, the girls, two houses down from me. They would they would put on shows and lip sync to it. And. You know i bought it as backup just in case their record got scratched so <laughs> i mean mary hicks buddy uh i can still picture in my head to this day 35 36 years later her up there uh lip-syncing the jesse's girl and dancing and matt and i sitting on the top bunk of the bunk beds just watching enamored <laughs> so
0: watching <laughs> Love it. it
1: was like totally awesome <laughs>
0: It was gnarly.
1: It was radical, dude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Here are the top movies that were in theaters in 1988. I don't know how much I buy into this list, but this is what they have. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Yep. Uh, Coming to America with Eddie Murphy.
1: Love that movie.
0: I do, too. It's probably my top three favorite Eddie Murphy Flicks, but oh. it's nonstop laughing from start to finish. Rain Man. Rain Man was huge, dude. I mean,
1: see, I just used dude there. I mean, I remember I remember my mom wanting to go to the movie theater and seeing that. I mean, that movie was Dustin Hoffman man. the, the role that he played in that was just spectacular.
0: Even Tom Cruise's role in it, like and I'm not a Tom Cruise guy, but I they really couldn't have put a better guy in that role um than Tom Cruise. I'll I'll give the devil his due, but um yeah, it was a good movie. Dustin Hoffman was remarkable because that's what Dustin Hoffman is. Um I don't know, it just wasn't for me, I get I put too much personal stocked into these lists like probably financially by the numbers this is what they went with uh rounding out this particular list is big with tom hanks which was another box office smash by all accounts twins i don't remember twins being as big at the box office no i don't I like- schwarzenegger and uh danny DeVito.
1: I, yeah, I don't even think I was like one of Arnold's first comedy movies either. Wasn't it Kindergarten Cop?
0: I feel like uh, Kindergarten Cop came out after yeah, Twins. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Twins
1: is a good movie, but uh, I, I don't remember all the
0: hype. Are you, you going to tell me that this motherfucker was, was bigger than Rambo 3?
1: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I would. I thought Rambo uh, kind of jumped the shark after Rambo, too.
0: For the sake I of the future we'll talking, of this show. I, I can see we're talking Rambo here soon. <laughs> I'm going to forget that that statement was made. I'm going to delete, delete that comment from my brain. You hurt my heart, Mr. Google. You hurt my heart. So guess what we're talking about next week here on Power Tripping Through the 80s? It's all things fucking Rambo. I'm okay with that.
1: <laughs> guess I'm going to
0: have to suck
1: it up and watch Rambo 3 again.
0: Son of a bitch. So. Might as well watch 4 and 5, too, while you're at it, pal. Actually, no, because only the first three were, were in the 80s. Yeah, well, Rambo, was
1: it Rambo Last Blood? Rambo... Oh, one where he took the missionaries. I don't know. I, I, I've i watched them all.
0: Yeah. Uh, John Rambo is where he takes the missionaries. Okay. Last Blood is the one that takes place on his farm. And then he has to cross over into Mexico to get his niece. And
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Different vibe, different feel to the Rambo story. But um, yeah, we'll. Yeah, next week here on Power Tripping Through the 80s, we are going to talk about Rambo. So stay tuned, I'm fucking excited. Yeah, I mean, cause Charlie Sheen, we all know was the best
1: Rambo on Hot Shots Part 2. so. <laughs> just, just hurting your heart a little bit more there, buddy. Just,
0: okay, fine, I digress. Where on the television in 1988. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> do you see this? Do you see this? <laughs> I do. I do. You see how red my face is. I'm about ready to explode. I'm laughing so hard over here. Too bad this isn't video. Actually, I may just turn around and put this motherfucker up on YouTube. All right. <laughs> on television. This is the last subcategory that they have here. Uh these were the top shows. In 1988, on television, Roseanne, The Cosby Show. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of surprised. I I don't know if this is in actual order or not, but if it's if it is, why Cosby Show is not at the top of the list? I don't know. That show was number one until it came off the air.
1: Yeah, uh, my mom loved The Cosby Show, but she loved Roseanne. I absolutely loved Roseanne. Um sidebar, did you see that Roseanne is claiming uh what's her name? Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. Uh
0: Melissa.
1: Is that who it is? Melissa Gilbert, the daughter on the Roseanne show. Oh
0: no, no. Um Gilbert. Sarah. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert.
1: Yeah. So Roseanne Barr is claiming that Sarah Gilbert is the one that uh ratted her out and had her character killed off. Roseanne is going absolutely nuts nowadays. Had nothing to do with her political views or her uh, setting them forth on the new reincarnation of the show. But Sarah Gilbert was the one her daughter on the TV show killed her off. Isn't that ridiculous?
0: I feel like I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on this. I hadn't heard I, I don't go on, you know, I don't pay attention to shit like that more often than not, but something like that i feel like i need to uh do a little bit of research on i'm curious i want to know what i want to know what this is about because what a story that is right right the d- huh. interesting you know i was thinking about it just now thinking about it
1: you got three choices you can kill off a family You can stay the weekend at a family's house, or you can move in. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like FMK, but we're going to do families here. Okay,
0: okay. Okay.
1: So again, kill off a family, stay the weekend with a family, and permanently live with the family. You ready? Yeah. The Bundys. (laughs) Okay. Huxtables. Okay. Or, um, the
0: Connors, <clears throat> this is a good one, Sean, isn't it? I'm killing off the Connors, I'm staying the weekend with the Bundies, and I'm permanently living with the Huxtables.
1: I think I'm right there with you, <laughs> I really do,
0: yeah. I don't know how, how else I, I could chalk that up. Great scenario, though. Great scenario. Uh, the last few shows on this particular list A Different World, Cheers, and Who's the Boss?
1: Seems like there's something missing. I mean, A Different World kind of goes with The Cosby Show,
0: right? right? Yeah, it was a spinoff of it.
1: Didn't Married with Children start in '88?
0: I feel like it was right around that time, yeah. But it may have been so brand new that it didn't register on the end of the year totals or whatever. Gotcha. Plus it plus it was on Fox and Fox was so far below the totem pole they had just launched. You know, they were still like I think 1987 is when they formally launched the Fox network I, I may have that wrong but it seems like that's when it was because it's when i first heard about tracy Ullman. was 1987 the gary shandling show was on there loved gary shandling show um and then eventually married with children and you know a few a few other shows the simpsons became a thing uh later on down the line but uh 1988 you know by and large you, you look at it as like, oh, it was just kind of another year, but there was some significant shit. As wrestling fans, it was a new era in the World Wrestling Federation. Randy Macho Man Savage was the World Wrestling Federation champion after a four-year run as with Hulk Hogan on top. So 88 was very much you know a new era, a new chapter. If you were a WWF fan, that was a big damn deal.
1: Yeah, Randy Savage, uh, did, did you watch, uh, do you watch that Most Wanted Treasures, perchance?
0: I, I don't, I don't have your regular s- standard cable here at home. Um, I have to wait for it to come on, on demand through one of the, st- uh, streaming apps that I subscribe to.
1: Um, check it out, they did a <laughs> thing where they were looking for Macho Man Randy Savage's, uh, Mega Powers Cape. Uh, oh
0: you know. no shit, that would be so People, awesome
1: And then uh, You know, I'm not plugging the show They're not an affiliate or anything But this last episode they did uh, Looking for articles from Brett the Hitman Hart We all know how Sean feels about Brett the Hitman Hart uh, But They went in search of his Wrestlemania 8 jacket That he wore going into the match of Rowdy Piper It was stolen from him Well, I don't want to ruin it for you, but man, what an episode. You got to check it out. Very, well, if I say this, you're going to know. It was a very emotional episode to
0: watch. I'll have to look at that.
1: Yeah, kind of hard to see. I'm not going to call him one of my heroes, but a guy that I looked up to getting so emotional. It It was a very
0: cool episode. Well, Definitely I will be checking that out. Cause I'm I'm interested in stuff like that. You know, a couple of the episodes in the previous seasons, I'm like, man, could they have made it any more blatant that all this shit was planted? Like I was starting to lose interest. But then there were a, a couple of other ones where I was dialed into it. Like this if if this has worked, it's very well done because you're you're pulling at, at my heartstrings here. Cause a lot of this They're going after artifacts from our childhood that we grew up, you know, looking at and watching. And they were a part of our favorite wrestlers and things of this nature. You know, also along the sports front in 1988 for our, you know, locally here in the state of Michigan, the Detroit Pistons, Uh, were very well established as the bad boys of the NBA and had reached the NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers, they would lose that series, but they would come back the next year in 89 and start a two-year back-to-back run as NBA champions and made them the most hated team in the National Basketball Association, which you and I didn't even realize because... They were our team, but outside the state of Michigan, people hated the the, the Detroit Pistons. I didn't realize that. They hated Bill Lambeer. Hated what, yeah.
1: Him. Um, so, funny story on that, when the Pistons beat the Trailblazers for the championship, there was a bet that was made where uh, some of the Trailblazers had to drive back to Portland and this old 1979 Ford LTD the Ford ltd was stripped down to the primer it was spray painted had hot dogs shoved in the grill shit put on the antenna and the reason why i know this because i had to clean all that stuff out because my uncle won that car in a raffle and he gave it to me
0: and oh shit!
1: i was like 15 16 years old it was my first car and uh had a 351 cleveland in it and uh and I should tell you something. that I had the car because I'm not a car guy. I couldn't tell you a 351 Cleveland from a 201 Florida. You know, it just it don't make any sense. But uh, uh, my dad let me park it in my neighbor's yard because he didn't want it in the yard because it was such an eyesore. And then he decided he was going to sell it on me because he didn't want me driving it because if the cops would see me in a graffitied Ford LTD car, he knew I was going to get a ticket and you know, so, uh, yeah, so I was the owner of that Ford LTD, that's Trailblazers drove back to Portland.
0: That was a phenomenal story. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, something you didn't know about me, huh?
0: I did not <laughs> know.
1: No, that what a
0: phenomenal know. story.
1: I mean, I would just step on the gas on that thing and it would rip ass. My dad, my dad, he knew, he knew I was either going to kill myself or get a ticket in that zone, bitch. So my, I don't hold any ill will against my dad selling that car. on me. though, so I wonder if it would be worth anything nowadays. Kind of makes you think.
0: Yeah. You never know, you know, the things you wouldn't think would garner any kind of attention or money are wind up raking in six, seven figures. And the shit that you think is going to be valuable fairly brings into Lincoln. You know what I mean? So, yeah. hey, uh, as we put a bow on this real quick, um, mention one other significant thing of 1988 for me personally, and I'm sure for you in some regard, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap it back around and I'll bring you back as to why I mentioned this. Um, 88 for wrestling fans was also the debut of the, of, the SummerSlam pay-per-view and it would happen on August the 29th, Man- Madison square garden in New York city, uh, tag team main event mega powers against the mega Bucks. Jesse Ventura was the guest referee. It was a big damn deal on commentary. That night was like gorilla monsoon and superstar Billy Graham. I mentioned this because last week we lost superstar Billy Graham. Uh, what kind of uh, impact did Billy Graham have on you in terms of your fandom in professional wrestling?
1: OK, so it's funny. Superstar Billy Graham to me now is one of the greatest of all time. When uh, I first started watching wrestling back in, what, 84, 85, we talked about before, I think it was 84. Uh, I was too young to see uh, I, it was too late for me to watch Billy Graham on TV. Going back and watching his interviews, you see so much of like what Hulk Hogan took away from him, um, or Rowdy Piper took away from him, or hell, even to look that Jesse Ventura took away from him. You see so much in what superstar Billy Graham did then. He was so far ahead of his time. And superstar Billy Graham, um, seriously in my opinion is the blueprint of what a, a professional wrestler of the 80s should be he was so far ahead of his time in the 70s it's ridiculous wrestling nowadays uh i don't know how well billy Graham would have flourished but when he won the title from uh who was it, gorilla monsoon if i heard the story pedro morales. no it wasn't pedro morales it was a uh, Bruno Sammartino.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay, he won the title from Bruno Sammartino and was supposed to drop it to Bob Backlund. Superstar Billy Graham went to Vince McMahon Sr. at the time, wanted him to turn him Babyface. Vince Sr. told him, "I will never ever turn you Babyface." If they would have turned Superstar Billy Graham Babyface then, I think you would have seen Hulkamania the, or what the aura of Hulkamania was be born through superstar Billy Graham. If he was a baby face, seriously.
0: He was definitely a trailblazer in so many regards. And the phrase ahead of his time is the one constant thing that I have heard with anybody that has spent this amount of time in the, in, in the last few days, you know, memorializing Billy Graham. Uh, Like you, you know, his run as WWF champion was long gone before I started watching wrestling. When I started watching, he was actually working for Jim Crockett and he was in, you know, stopped in the AWA, but he wasn't the superstar Billy Graham that dominated the World Wrestling Federation he was smaller. He had adopted a martial arts kind of gimmick back then. Um, well, Billy when,
1: Graham, when we saw him, he was managing a baby-faced Don Morocco. Right. When he came to WWF. So.
0: His, he, well, yeah, he, his big return was he was supposed to recapture his glory. He was actually part of Hulk Hogan's Survivor Series team. But the damage that had been done to his hips... Uh, would ultimately do him in, and that's why they incorporated him as Don Morocco's manager. Not that Morocco needed a manager, because he was a hell of a, you know, talker anyway. He was Don Morocco, you know. Um, watch
1: watch Superstar. If you watch any Superstars matches, watch how he would sell for guys. And then watch some of the matches that you're seeing now. Like, you remember when... Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin gave the rock to Stone Cold Stunner rock flipped over backwards with his bottom feet on the ropes. Superstar Billy Graham took that exact bump 20 years before the rock. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful thing to see superstars pay tribute. You know, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Well, brother superstar, Billy Glam- Graham Graham, should it should be uh, the most overly flattered person on the face of the earth as it pertains to the wrestling business? Because everyone, everyone took something from Billy Graham.
0: It certainly did, uh, and he uh, uh, he went in the Hall of Fame in two thousand four, very very well deserved. Uh, you know we're glad, you know we're we're appreciative of the memories and and the legacy that he has left on the business. Uh, and, Because his influence from Dusty Rhodes to Hogan to Ventura to, you know, anybody that grew up in that era, you were in somehow or another um, influenced by superstar Billy Graham. So we just wanted to take a couple of minutes here as we put a bow on this episode to pay our own tributes to a true legend in the professional wrestling business. Uh, Before we
1: get out here, anything else, my friend? I just want to put this out there because you got me talking about Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham. Um, I just heard an interview with George Napolitano. I don't know how many people know who he is who listens to our show, but he was a photographer, you know, during the big time wrestling era. And he was really good friends with superstar Billy Graham. And he was talking about how a superstar would come over to his house for uh, dinner night and Napolitano, you know, Italian family. And he was talking about how when they were serving the salad before the dinner that Billy Graham actually took the whole bowl and started putting dressing on it. Cause he was going to eat the entire salad. And I guess, uh, George's wife got a little bit upset about, about that. Well, George obviously was a tape trader back then too. So he had, uh, some, uh, wrestling matches from Texas and dusty Rhodes was on these matches. And, uh, Dusty was cutting a promo. And Billy Graham looked at George and he was like, he stole my promo. That was my promo job. <laughs> yeah, he was legitimately pissed off at Dusty Rhodes because back then, you know, you didn't have the internet. So oh. everyone was stealing from everybody back then. So when everyone talks about how original Dusty Rhodes was, he stole interview material from superstar Billy Graham. That should tell you the influence. That superstar Billy Graham had on the wrestling world. If Dusty Rhodes is stealing from you, you know you're something special.
0: True story, ma'am. True story. Uh, very good example. And, you know, and you can also see the influence that Graham had from Muhammad Ali. He credits Ali for a lot of his promo style. And you put the two side by side and you can certainly see. It it all comes back around, dude. It filters and winds this way and that way. You know, this is just what happens. So, Uh, great, great ambassador uh, for the time, for his time uh, as the top dog in professional wrestling. So, rest in power, superstar Billy Graham. With that, um, we'll go ahead and put a bow on this. We certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, check out the Heat Vent this week it drops on Friday. The Real Podcast will be here on Saturday. It's Amy Week this week, so I'm pretty you know excited about that. Uh, a new Hanging with the Hitman on Monday, and then the flagship show, The Close to the Heart Podcast, will drop on Tuesday. Yes, sir.
1: Real quick, uh, I was talking with Levi Blue. I don't know who that kid is that's doing your commercials for the uh- the merchandise. The merchandise
0: site. What was yeah. that merchandise site again? Oh, uh, that's cafepress.com forward slash psc network. Thank you for the plug.
1: Oh well, I was talking to Levi. He says he doesn't know who that kid is, but he wants to slap him around. So, <laughs> might want
0: to look at that kid's mother. So, uh, hey, you know, I, I could probably arrange a hookup where I could pipe him into the show if we had a little bit more a uh, little bit more notice. Maybe next week we we could work on getting our schedules in alignment but be that as it may we will go ahead and get on here we appreciate everybody tuning in we'll see you right back here next wednesday with a brand new episode of power tripping through the 80s here on the pfc entertainment network